Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. We have an interesting program tonight focused on creativity and how to sell it. Our first guest is Kevin McCarthy. He's the brains behind an emerging startup, which is what we're always interested in finding here, that is revolutionizing the way we learn to play the piano. Kevin, welcome to the program. Thanks, Don, for having me. It's great to be here. Well, Kevin, we always ask our guests to tell us a little bit about themselves personally before we get into the topic at hand. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate the uh, invitation to be on and happy to tell you a little bit about myself. Myself is one of my favorite topics, so... (laughs) Well, good. Anyway, my name is Kevin McCarthy. I'm a 38-year-old entrepreneur uh, from Seattle, Washington, and uh, I've started a few companies. My background is kind of in software development. Uh, I worked around the Seattle area in the the mid-'90s and early-2000s in various technology startups and struck out on my own in the mid-2000s and kind of been uh, working for myself mostly ever since then. Well, uh, and I'm married with uh, one child here in Seattle. Okay. Well, that's as complete. It's interesting. Uh, when I ask people uh, about themselves, uh, the variety of answers we get, and yours is about one of the most complete we've heard in a while. Well, that's okay. good. I like to cover all the bases and let you know everything I can to to help uh, inform the discussion a little better. Well, um, now... How do how do you revolutionize the way uh, you learn the piano? Because I have to tell you, I tried three times and have failed all three times miserably. Well, and and Don, that's a pretty familiar story. I tried as well. You know, I went out and bought a, a several thousand dollar synthesizer in the hopes that the that the amount of money correlated somehow to the talent that I was going to achieve, and uh, unfortunately, that didn't work out that way. Um, what, what what we're trying to do is make learning to play the piano fun and engaging for people of all ages. As you said, it's a frustrating process. It usually ends in failure. Um, it's, learning to play the piano is one of the most difficult instruments you can, you can undertake. And so what we've built is um, what we call the Illuminating Piano. And it's, a hard, it's the first integrated hardware and software solution for learning to play the piano. So the hardware itself is the Illuminating Piano. It's a 61-key MIDI controller that you can then connect to our software. 
and our software is called uh, McCarthy Music, and it, um, you can connect the piano either wirelessly over Bluetooth or um, over USB to uh, either an iPad or uh, any Windows device. And uh, the keys on the illuminating piano, they light up in any color. So there are keyboards that light up, but our whole key le lights up evenly and brilliantly in any color, and it's all controlled via software. So for 500 bucks, you get the piano, and then the software's free, and um, we've got a digital score rendering system that shows you um, the, the sheet, you know, digital sheet music, essentially. We show you what you want to play on screen, and then you can um, hit, go into what we call listen mode, and the iPad will play the song for you, lighting up the keys as it's supposed to be played. So one of the problems I found is that when you get home after, you know, lessons are fabulous. We're not trying to dislodge piano instruction, but the problem we're trying to solve is when you get home, you know, you forget exactly how to play a piece. It, um, and you're home alone with a piece of paper and a keyboard, and it's, it's going to be a pretty lonely and frustrating experience, at least from what we've seen and my personal experience as well. Is similar to yours. And um, so you can use this listen mode to hear how it's supposed to be played and see how it's supposed to be played and hear how it's supposed to sound. And then you switch to what we call learn mode. And this is where the keys light up and guides you through the song note by note with different colors for each of your hands. So what we're trying to do is create this kind of multi-sensory experience where you've got um, illuminated keys, You've got the uh, digital score on the iPad providing real-time feedback on whether you're playing notes correctly or incorrectly. And really, we're just trying to make practice more efficient and engaging. Because if we can just increase the efficiency of your practice by uh, a small percentage and then also increase the amount of time you spend practicing um, that over long periods of time, that could have profound impact on the success you're able to achieve uh, playing piano. So I, I did, you know, kind of what you did. You know, bought a product, played some, took some lessons for six months, got frustrated and gave up, and um, that kind of led to this whole vision. Well, yeah. Uh, I didn't even get. I'm sorry. Say that again. I didn't get. I did not get to the six-month stage. Uh, oh, really? You just got a couple of weeks in here or oh, what? But as someone said, I'm tone deaf. And, uh, but uh, if I understand you, you still need a teacher to uh, teach you the basic, movement, <coughs> uh, the basic move movements that go on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really up to you. It's all about kind of what are your goals, right? If you just want to learn to play a few songs, there are no rules from our point of view. <laughs> so what we're trying to do is enable our users to learn however they want to learn. So uh, more casual guys like us perhaps might want to just play some songs, right? right. We've, what we've seen is that like complex topics like rhythm and tempo and you know, fingering and stuff like that, those can be learned instead of taught. Um, now, you know, younger children and stuff definitely need someone to help uh, corral them, so to speak. But uh, we see a big opportunity in the um, young adult all the way up to senior um, who just don't have the time or inclination to go drive and park and take an hour-long lesson and drive and go home. And, 
you know, that's an hour and a half, two hour prospect, you know, each week, it's a pretty significant commitment of time with our product. You can um, kind of learn at your own pace and um, at your own inclination too. you know, whenever you want to and however you want to really. So, you know, we provide a, a, a nice booklet with our piano that talks about the basics of piano. Um, and then, you know, really the key to, to our solution is that it, the system will show you how to do it correctly. So it's almost like mimicking um, is, the, is the process through which you're learning. So that's kind of the basic idea behind it. Well, it seems to me, um, and I've also seen these two or 3,000 um, keyboard, dollar keyboards <clears throat> where they, you can pretend to play and it, it plays itself. But this is not what, what yours does. It is not. It has kind of a player piano function where it'll you know play the, the piece correctly for you, but it's really in, intended as an instructional aid, um, you know, to get you. One of the primary problems with piano is that you get discouraged and it becomes not fun. And right, right. at the end of the day, it's a hobby. It's supposed to be fun. And so what we're trying to do is make it so that you can feel productive quickly so that you're able to create something, you know, on the topic of creativity, you're able to create something uh, in a short amount of time that makes you feel better about what you just did. Hmm. It's kind of removing a lot of, ba of barriers to fun, really. Well, that's a great uh, line. All right, now you've developed this product for $500. It's well within the range now, how you how are you marketing this product? Yeah, so that's a great question. So we just unveiled this product in January at the National Association of Music Merchants show, NAM they call it, which is a huge show in Anaheim, California. And so we had a big booth, and I don't know, a couple, maybe a thousand or two people played it, um, and we got a lot of feedback and made some tweaks. But um, I think we're really just kind of so we're taking pre-orders right now. The hardware is in manufacturing, and we'll actually begin final assembly um, in, in two weeks, on, on the 29th of April. I guess that's less than two weeks. Um, and then we'll be drop shipping uh, to customers the following week. So we're kind of just really at an early stage. But to answer your question about marketing, we've been doing um, a very limited marketing. But a pre-order is a, is a difficult proposition. Um, we have had some uh, pre-orders have exceeded our expectations, but – it's, it's a difficult thing to get someone to convert to, you know, especially for a $500 product. Uh, yeah. So I, we're doing some Facebook ads. Some, we have a great video, so we've done some YouTube ads. We've done Google AdWords. We're really trying to do direct sales to consumers and, um, and just create, at this point, create awareness that a product like this exists. Um, so I think marketing and sales will kind of shift gears in a few weeks and really start to focus on that. When you don't have a product to sell, it's hard to sell it. <laughs> That's very true. But now yeah. you're saying, uh, uh, now you're saying you're going there and you're going to market to consumers. And, and this is always the question: How are you going to do that? What, do you have? What are your plans like? I think that um, we've seen a lot of success with, in particular, Facebook ads, where. There's, there's a certain kind of viral nature to the product in that a lot of people, when you, when you show them it or show them a review of it or tell them about it, it kind of, it's a very intuitive approach to learning to play piano, right? Like right. a lot of people comment like, oh, wow, I thought of this 10 years ago or, you know, why hasn't this been done before? 
So it's not, it's, it, conceptually, it's not a difficult concept to explain to consumers. Um, and I think that getting them to, you know, pop down 500 bucks is a little bit more of a difficult proposition. But fr from there, it's all about building. Um, so we've got a lot of great reviews from press and um, a lot of good feedback, but we don't have any actual customers that we can tell their story. So I think a lot of... Um, a, a lot of real authority comes from, first of all, the media, and second of all, from um, actual customers, you know, who are happy with the product. So I think if we can achieve that, get people really enjoying the product, get their testimonials and reviews up on our site and on Amazon, maybe we're looking at selling there, um, then I think that will go a long way because there's, there's interest in our product. We're not having, we don't have a problem driving people to the website. And, um, you know, we're, I think we're, our, sales, our sales have been pretty steady and growing for the past month or two. So it's just a question of, you know, what will, and we don't know the answer to this, but what, are, what is the organic growth, if any, that we'll be able to achieve once we start shipping units? I think that's kind of the big question in our eyes. Because you can well, spend, is, in, yeah, go ahead. Uh, what is your website? Yeah, oh, sorry, yeah, McCarthyPiano.com, M-C-C-A-R-T-H-Y, Piano.com. And uh, we put a lot of effort into that website. It's really well done, I think, and there's a lot of fantastic content about the software, about the hardware, links to all the reviews of the product, a whole e-commerce system that we've built ourselves that allows you to purchase the product directly online. No. So, you know, we're really trying to take a direct approach First of all, because our margins aren't there yet to do a retail-type model. Um, but at a direct sale, we make a good chunk. And then we also have an ex another business model where once you, once you purchase our piano, we have a store that sells digital sheet music. So we've got a partnership with a company called Hal Leonard, which is the world's largest um, distributor of sheet music in book format. And so we have currently about a thousand p titles of theirs from, you know, Beatles and kind of all the, the top oldies and, and contemporary music. Um, so whatever kind of inclination you have for learning to play music, we'll have it. And if we don't have it now, we can grow to get it. Hal Leonard has 50,000 titles in their catalog, and we've only licensed about a thousand of those right now. But we, we built the software as a platform so that we can import um, content, you know, kind of ad nauseum as customers request it. And so no, that's, that's uh, a whole different business model where you pay uh, $4 per song or less um, available as an in-app purchase um, on the iPad or as a direct purchase in our application on Windows. Hmm. So it's, it's almost like the piano in some ways is a content consumption device, right? And right. we're, we're, we're currently selling um, songs, but we have plans, and we're working on right now, you alluded to this earlier, kind of more traditional lessons, right? Um, you know, music theory and chords and rhythm and tempo and things like that. So we're working on interactive lessons right now. So we see that as another platform for content that, you know, we can develop or even potentially open it up to third parties to develop that content. So you can have different piano instructors you know, we don't, want to, we don't want to be the arbiter of how to learn to play piano. <laughs> I, I think well, that's, that's a tough problem. And if we just open it up, maybe other people will, you know, let the market decide what's the right way to do it. Well, uh, do you have a video of someone playing your, your uh, instrument on the on We the do. Website? So one of our biggest marketing expenses was a really high-quality 
um, two-minute video with a, a whole different family. Because one of the things that's interesting about our product is that you can, you know, it's really designed for everyone in the household. So um, our video shows a daughter using an iPad, the son using a PC, and then the parents using a laptop. Um, so yeah, we put a lot of time and effort into that, and it's done really well. It's, I think it's our single best piece of marketing to date. And when we run that as a, like a Facebook video ad or YouTube video ad, um, it's, it performs really well, and the cost per view is pretty low. Uh, compared to other, you know, if you imagine you're Procter and Gamble or something, and you want to advertise Clorox, and you would do a video ad, not not a lot of people are going to want to view that video. But because right. this is a more compelling subject, the marketing costs that we've seen thus far, at least, tend to be a lot lower. You know, Facebook said our video ad is performing better than 99% of its peers, and so that was pretty reassuring to us that we're getting a lot of views for not a lot of dollars. Um, and so back to your comment about marketing, it's like just trying to understand what's driving sales. And, you know, our product requires, because it's a little bit higher investment than most other consumer products, it does require some thought and some research and multiple visits. And so trying to understand what marketing is working is actually kind of a tough problem we're trying to figure out right now. <laughs> what has surprised you about your efforts so far? Well, I mean, we've kind of slipped on our schedule a couple of times. That was surprising. Um, you know, I think we've been working at this for two and a half years now, and um, it's an ambitious undertaking to, you know, the piano has over 290 different parts in it, um, you know, 190 LEDs and nine different printed circuit boards and silicone and rubber and uh, tape and, you know, just like there's a there's a, a bill of materials with, you know, 200 rows on it or something. Um, so custom designing that all was expensive and difficult. And then um, manufacturing has been difficult too. You know, this is my first time building a hardware product. Uh, like I said earlier, I'm just kind of traditionally a software guy. But um, it, it's been surprising how difficult it is to build hardware. And um, so we've had to delay things once or twice, twice, I guess. You know, we, want, we wanted to sell them in January at the show. Like, okay, we have inventory in stock, go order them. But it um, didn't work out that way. But, you know, so early May we'll be shipping them. Um, so that's kind of our biggest surprise, I think. And, and, and I guess on the, on the positive side, the surprising – so one of the – like when we publish this Facebook video ad, some of the comments are amazing. And it's just like, wow, I want one, you know, like and not once or twice, but like 500 times, you know. So I think mm -hmm. there's, there's definitely a, a, a niche in the market for this. The question is the price point. Is it too much? You know, um, we don't really know. It's like you've mentioned, it's not that uncompetitive. You know, you can buy a cheap keyboard for a hundred or two, but first of all, we have a patent on multicolor illumination. So there's no other keyboard that can ever be on the market, at least in the U S that um, will light up the keys in any color. And the colors are useful because you can communicate different information. So, for example, if you play a note incorrectly, we turn the key red. If you play it correctly, we turn the key green. Uh, and then we use, you know, the different colors to differentiate left and right hands. So um, that's a pretty cool piece of IP that we've built, but kind of a wandering answer to your question about surprises. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, where are you manufacturing? Yeah, so uh, we have a partner, uh, Sony Corporation of America, who is manufacturing this in Nuevo Laredo, Mexico. And oh. then um, they crossed the border into Laredo, Texas, and we're drop shipping from Sony's distribution uh, right outside of Laredo, Texas, uh, directly to end customers. So you, so you've managed to have a partnership with Sony on this in some way. Yeah, yeah. So it's not a Sony product or anything like that, but um, I think that was a pretty, pretty big, big blessing. First of all, going to Asia, right? Everyone goes to Asia for consumer electronics products. But there's a lot of downsides to that. I mean, we didn't do it. You could probably save a few bucks, but for us, it was um, we tried to keep things as close to us physically as we could, knowing that there was going to be a lot of interaction. And you know, flying back and forth to China, um, the 12-hour time delay. It's like there's a lot of downsides to that. And so the other thing is that we, you know, Sony is one of the most respected and, and uh, dominating you know, manufacturers and distributors of consumer electronics in the world. And they have some excess capacity at one of their facilities. And so they're kind of working with select companies on a contract manufacturing basis. And so, yeah, I think that was a big win for us is getting someone who knows what they're doing, frankly, <laughs> and, and a good partner, you know, who wants us to grow and succeed. Um, you know, that isn't to say there haven't been challenges, but um, they've been really good about helping us navigate the waters and, uh, and, you know, hopefully in a few weeks really build a good product. Well, that's, that is a major, uh, uh, that is a major coup when you get Sony to be in your corner. Uh, I think so. Um, again, uh, your website. Yeah. McCarthyPiano.com. And there's a whole bunch of information there and you can also order it, um, pre-order it and we'll be shipping them in just a few weeks. Uh, McCarthyPiano.com, and you can also search for it's called the Illuminating Piano. So you can actually find a lot of reviews and stuff if you just search for Illuminating Piano. Um, and find us on Facebook and just search for McCarthy Music and McCarthy Music on Twitter as well. Well, Kevin, you, you've been extremely creative, and we have a, a very creative woman joining us next. And I was wondering if you wouldn't mind standing by when we finish talking with her. Uh, we have kind of a discussion about creativity. Uh, I think that uh, sounds great, Don. So I'll just uh, kind of uh, hang by and you let me know when you want me to jump in. I will. I'm going to mute you so you can cough or whatever you want. But uh, we're, we're going to usher in our next guest, uh, a Amy Barone. Amy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Don. I'm, I'm honored to be part of it. Well, we're, we're really glad to have you. Um, the audience should know Amy and I belong to the same club uh, in New York, and uh, we are, we're both writers. Uh, Amy is, I think, uh, much more advanced in the fiction area. She has a new book out, Kamikaze Dance. And what I've been impressed with as I've watched her, um, it's a book of poems, which I'll ask her to describe. Uh, but what I, I was really impressed with is the job she's doing publicizing it. And I asked her to come in the in on the program to discuss that. And since our third guest tonight is ill, as I am, um, uh, I asked, I, I thought we'd close the program with a little discussion between Kevin McCarthy and Amy and myself on creativity. So, but first, Amy, we always ask our guests a little bit about themselves personally before we get into anything else. Great. 
So, Amy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, right now I'm working um, as a full-time creative writer. And as you uh, mentioned, I'm busy promoting my new book, Kamikaze Dance, that's been published by Finishing Line Press. And they're a, a prominent publisher of poetry chapbooks. And, um, you know, I'm delighted to say that I was a finalist in their annual New Women's Voices chapbook competition. So that's really how the book came about. And um, before I started create, writing full-time, I was a communications executive working for a nonprofit. Um, I've had some government experience. Uh, political experience, and I also worked in the um, in the journalism sphere as a uh, trade editor of New Women's um, Women's Wear Daily and Advertising Age uh, Crane Communications publication. So I was a correspondent in Milan for those two preeminent trade publications, and uh, you know it was a phenomenal experience. And I always wrote poetry, though. I think I've been writing for, say, the last 25 years. And this is my second book. I'm sorry? This is my second poetry book. Okay. Now, Amy, um, we all know in today's world, if the author doesn't publicize the book, no one else will. So what are you doing to publicize Um, the book? You know, one thing I found very valuable is just the community of writers that I belong to in New York City and also um, in Philadelphia. I'm from outside of Philadelphia, and I go back regularly. I've been published by a few literary literary journals there, but I find the community is wonderful. I'm, of course, in New York City. There are readings every night, spoken word performances. So I um, find myself going to a lot of readings, not just to be part of the open mic, but also to support other writers I know. And um, I was on the board of the Italian American Writers Association for three years, and every second Saturday of the month, they uh, organize a reading. It's held alternately at Cornelia Street Cafe on the west side of the village and Sidewalk Cafe on the east side. And so for three years, I was a co-host and organizer, promoter of those readings, and it also put me in touch with a number of writers and people interested in the poetry world. So other than that, um, I also belong to Pen America Center, you know, which keeps me on the um, cusp of what's going on really all over the world. They have a newsletter with poetry every week. Um, I'm on online community of poets called Brevitas, and every 1st and 15th of the month, we send out a short poem, maximum 13 lines, to a community of of about, I think, 60 poets, and feedback is is welcome. But but also, Amy, I notice you've been in bookstores. Uh, You've you've hired a publicist. how does that work, and what have you found from that? Well, actually, I'm I'm really doing my own um, publicist work. I you know I have a lot of experience in that sphere, and um, social media has been um, indispensable. Um, Facebook, especially, which you know surprised me at first, but 
there are a number of groups that I've joined or people have asked me to join, and it's where we can post our um, the upcoming events where I'll be reading what I'm working on. So that's been a, a great support in publicizing the book. I have a Twitter account, and um, as you know, when I showed you the manuscript originally, Don, I, I have a lot of strong images and visuals in the book. So, you know, I took to Twitter and Facebook and, um, you know, showed the world some of the images that um, inspired the poems or, you know, that I recalled when writing them. And then, you know, traditionally I have put out a press release and I've reached out to literary bloggers and have asked for book reviews and, you know, sent the the press release around uh, when I have a reading I put together a media alert and I send that out to local press. Um, I post it to online calendars and it's, uh, you know, it's an important way to get the word out. But um, uh, has... Go ahead. No, keep going, Amy. But, you know, getting back to community, I find that when I go out to other writers' readings or, you know, take part in an open mic, which is usually followed by feature writers, so a lot of the readings in New York City start out, you know, sign up for three to five minutes, and then they'll have two to four prominent writers at the end who have more time on stage. When I go and just give out my flyers to other writers, that's a it's an optimal way to get people to my own readings and to let them know about the book. Well, but and, you also um, did it a couple of bookstores. How did you do that? That was, you know, it was really through... Um, Writers' suggestions, um, you might be thinking of the big blue marble bookstore in Mount Airy, Philadelphia. Um, A writer, uh, Hal Sirowitz, who was once the poet laureate of Queens and he's now living in the Philadelphia area, he suggested that I um, reach out to the big blue marble bookstore to see if they'd sell my book on consignment. And then that led to uh, a reading I did with two other poets, including Hal, back on April Fool's Day. <laughs> and uh, it was a, it was a terrific reading. We had a nice crowd and wonderful energy and atmosphere. So, um, you know, again, it's, uh, I would say the, the contacts you make and getting out there and really getting to know writers um, away from the computer, getting offline and getting out there is really important to me in publicizing the book and helping with sales. Well, you know, what I love about this program, I learned something. I learned something, and hopefully our audience does as well. You know, I'm going to invite Kevin back in to talk. Um, uh, what I'd like to talk about is um, uh, creativity. Um, uh, you, you're a poet. Uh, Kevin's uh, been an entrepreneur. but um, Yeah. Um, I'm... I'm I'm going to go back to Kevin for a moment I've un- uh, and say, Kevin, where did you get the idea for your uh, piano, and, wh- uh, and why did you do it? Well, uh, I think, Don, it was, it was really, um, you know, I think that the best ideas, the, at least in business, where I've been successful, come from when you're solving a problem that you actually have. You know, several, I've had a couple of businesses couple failures, one really good one, and then I'll let you know how this one turns out in a few years. But um, 
I think I think the key is solving a problem that you actually have. So I took piano lessons, bought this fancy piano, and rather immediately as I was staring at this piece of sheet music, was like, I don't know how to read sheet music. Why why isn't there a way to help me learn to read sheet music that uses technology? And so I think the you know, and then I was like, oh, well, well, maybe the keys could light up. And then I was like, oh, okay, well, there are already light-up keyboards. How do they work? And I was like, well, their software sure sucks. And you have to use this tiny little two-inch LCD screen, which isn't helpful at all. So I think it kind of just it built a little organically in my head. And honestly, this idea happened seven or eight years ago. But I was involved in other ventures and um, – you know, sometimes ideas just gnaw away, away at you. <laughs> I was trying to see if um, someone else would do this. And also, tablet computing wasn't around at that time. So if I'd done it then, I don't think it would have had as great a probability of success. But and then you ask, why did I do it? Well, um, we built, so we went, you know, like I said, we've been doing this for two and a half years. In in the summer of, or in early 2013, me and a buddy built a prototype of the software and a prototype of the hardware, you know, using some like very cheap, we basically took someone else's piano and put some LEDs on it. Um, and then kind of hacked together a little cheapo version of the software. And it was pretty cool. We really liked it. And even in its kind of ugly, uh, you know, stepchild format, it still showed a lot of potential. And so I think choosing to build it was then just, a continual um, decision of, yes, this is still cool. I still like this. And that kind of happened for a long period until we said, okay, we, now we have a high-polish prototype, and we have a high-polish prototype of the software. Now it still looks pretty cool. Do we actually want to manufacture this and actually build good software? And, you know, that decision uh, was kind of the big one about a year and a half ago where we said, yeah, okay, this is cool. Let's do it. So I don't know. It's like creativity is uh, is is both a, uh, a disease and a wonderful gift to have. Well, um, uh, Amy, they say writing yeah. writing is a lonely affair. Where do you get your uh, inspiration from? Where I get my inspiration, um, you know, yes. place ha- place happens to be. Um, a big focal point of my poetry. Uh, you know, I lived in Italy for five years. I, um, you know, always had a bit of a wanderlust. But, you know, also where I'm from, I grew up in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. And uh, I don't know, I guess I was a born poet because there's just a, a lot that stays with me. But um, if you see some of my poems, you know, they take place in um, Rio, Brazil, in uh an island called Dante in the Ionian Sea in Greece. So I would say that a lot of my travels and places um, have inspired me. But, you know, in the poetry book, there are also, you know, stories of family and conflict and, uh, you know, joy and and sadness. So, um, you know, it's really a mix of things. And um, it's it happens to be Poetry Week, and I try to write every single day during poetry week. It's a bit challenging, but it really does force you to think, you know, there are all kinds of things that can inspire you. And lately, because I'm really working full time in the creative writing field, I'm, I, I do more research now, Don. I actually um, might see an article. And uh, one poem in my book is called 
current names, and it's really about how in Italy there's so many names for the wind. And I and I saw in a magazine an article about that, and I I was inspired by it to do more research and and make it a bit creative. Don, would you mind if I ask Amy a question? I'm, I'm I was just curious. Yeah, I was just curious. You know, I, I have a couple of struggling artist friends, and I was curious. You know, obviously, making money is a very difficult proposition in kind of creative endeavors. And I was just curious if you had any learnings about, you know, how do you grow to support yourself in an endeavor where there's not a lot of money to be made typically, right? Right. Um, no, it's tough. I mean, it, you know, it's a labor of love in a big way, and I do really support myself through freelance business writing and editing Um and I've tweaked my lifestyle, so I'm not living as you know as high as I used to. But there's nothing I'm. I don't feel deprived in any way. I I really enjoy you know doing this. Um, yeah, my brother's a musician, and uh, it's just always <laughs> interesting to me that like you know he he he. I think he does the same thing though, where he kind of downsizes his life lifestyle. And right, right. He's a really happy individual though, so it's just I just find it fascinating how. You know, people want different things in life, and and I, I don't know. I just think it's interesting. I guess you know, you you change your goals and mission in life a little bit to make things happen. But um, when when I published my first book uh, back in 2008, it you know it was really exciting for me. I didn't self-publish. Um, a publisher, a small uh, central New York publisher, Foothills Publishing was interested in it, you know, it was a real thrill for me, so I really just took it from there. But once I quit my full-time job is when I really got to know other writers and, you know, was able, I had the freedom to go to spoken word performances, you know, many times a week. I had a very, you know, when you work full-time today, it was very high stress and, you know, a lot of hours at night, weekends, so um, it was hard for me to accomplish what I have now in the past three years. Well, that sounds great. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, thank you. And, you know, I'm a big music buff, too, so um, I actually have a poem about Rodriguez in my new book. Oh, very cool. Yeah, well, I'll definitely yeah. check it out, and you'll have to go uh, check out our website, too, and see if it's something that might interest you. Uh, definitely, definitely. Well, uh, if, if the listener may put these two people together. I have, being a writer myself, I happen to think um, uh, that uh, uh, many of the, uh, and having run a small business for a long time, that many of the uh, things that you do in writing are, are what you do in a small business. Research, identify, try to find the audience. Uh, it's a little different, but it's still the same. And, and right, I, right. Um, yeah, the venture capitalists realize. like to talk about product market fit, and yeah. it's kind of a same same concept. It's almost like audience content fit, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's well, amazing. That, that... Um, you know, and I've gone back. I, I like to tell people when I was working in the nonprofit field, and we were in health education, and I had to, you know, help publicize our organization. And I would tell our staff go back to your, you know, college newspaper and your hometown. Paper and so I do that myself. I think I actually I've reconnected with my grade school, high school, college, and graduate school um, alumni groups to get a little you know press for the book. So 
you know, always go back to the people who, you know, also taught you. It's really fascinating. I I love writing, and uh, I'll put a plug in for myself. My book is finally coming out. Uh, If my publisher uh, gets off his stuff, as he promised for the book show. But anyway, um, we're almost out of time. But first, I'm going to ask Kevin, our audience, what would be the three things you as an entrepreneur would say uh, to uh, our audience that they have to do to persevere uh, in the business world today? Yeah, that's a great question, Don. I think, um, you know, again, just to reiterate my first point is find a, solve a problem that you actually have. If you're going to be a customer of your solution, it makes it so much easier to uh, sell it <laughs> because and build it really too because you just have to be yourself. One of my businesses that didn't work out, you know, I was trying to sell something that someone else might need. And I think that's a much more difficult proposition because it's not you. You don't understand um, uh, the, the, you know, what your customers like. And you might be building something that no one actually wants, and that was the case in this other business. I guess the second thing is to follow the money. And that's rather obvious, but um, especially in high tech, you have to be – uh, maneuverable and agile as a small company in particular because um, it's important to um, go where the business wants to take it. You know, it's like, yes, we're the, I'm the leader of the business, but really I'm just kind of trying to navigate demand, right? So if our hardware doesn't work out and people that's too expensive or whatever, we have kind of this backup plan of this whole software where our, our software works with any piano, and so you can connect any keyboard or controller to our software, you know, to the iPad or the Windows PC, and it still works fantastic. So, you know, it's, it's being flexible and following the money. And um, I guess the, the third thing would be, you know, understanding the economics of your business model and, and making sure you have adequate financing. Um, you know, this has been an expensive endeavor, but we've been able to pull it off uh, but it's taken longer and cost more, as you might imagine. But it, you could, it would have been possible for us to get to the finish or not get to the finish line and run out of money. <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, understand, at least in high tech, you've got this, you know, kind of investment and then hopefully return. Make sure you understand those, those lengths appropriately um, just to understand when is the return going to come. If it comes later, are you, you know, screwed? <laughs> That's great. Amy, what would you tell our would-be writers in the audience today? You know, I would say to, um, you know, I feel that there are muses out there and there are certain things that inspire you to write, but I would say to try to write regularly. I know with, you know, family responsibilities and full-time jobs, it's tough, but, you know, it's, it's amazing if you just take some quiet time, you know, several times a week at least, some quiet time. And, you know, I often write poems in my head as I'm running here or rushing there. But um, it's important to sit down and put some of those inspirations uh, to work on the computer or whatever or your iPhone. But um, it's amazing. Everyone has a story. You know, everyone has stories to tell. So it's important even if you're in business and you have to relate a story. So I think... You know, we're all writers to some extent, but I would 
take the time to, you know, to flesh out those thoughts and put them on paper or a screen or <laughs> and share um, share the stories. And the name of the, of the book and where they can find it? Kamikaze Dance. Um, and Kamikaze, it was inspired really by the wind. Um, kamikaze meant divine wind centuries ago in Japan. And, and they can find it where? Oh, um, it's it's on Amazon.com, and um, also on the website of the um, publisher, FinishingLinePress.com. I'm surprised you didn't name it that uh, Sirocco after the mo- movie that Ingrid Bergman, Matt uh, Federico, uh, uh, Victoria, Victoria, right, Sica, right, Sica, and the scandal of the 1940s. But uh, Kevin, oh, yes. um, uh, you know, when you said that, I, ha- I hadn't thought about it, about the Italian and all the names for the wind, but you're absolutely right. And, right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, Kevin and Amy, thank you so much for joining me to- tonight. And I hope the audience learned a little bit more about writing, and hopefully somebody will take up the piano and do a better job at it than I did. Thank you, Donna. It's great to be here. Uh, Yeah, thank thank you so much, Don. See you soon. All righty. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actual with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web, through our video channel, and in our magazine. You can subscribe for any or all of these by going to smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Thank you. And have a good day.